0: Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about things like purpose, legacy, love, influence, sex, success, wealth, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review if you've enjoyed what you heard, subscribe, and join the other thousands and thousands of changemakers in our community on Facebook, or go to www.mantalks.com for more blog posts, podcasts, and videos from our live event. So today we are going to be diving deep into health and fitness. My guest today is is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and he is the founder of fitfatherproject.com, which is helping fathers rebuild lean, fit, and ageless bodies so that they can stay young, stay strong, and permanently healthy for their families. So today we're going to talk about both the health and fitness side. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the exercises you can dive into, how to build some great, simple routines that get results. Uh, And he's going to share some really good insight into health. Uh, One of the big things that he says in this episode is that you cannot work out and expect a great body on a crappy diet, on a crappy eating routine. So we are going to focus in on the nutritional side pretty heavily, and we he's going to share some insight on things like ketosis, on fasting, on a bunch of different, uh, you know, bulletproof coffee, getting better sleep. He's got some like really, really great content in here uh, about how to tone the body, get better sleep, and which nutritional plans or diets or whatever verbs, labels you want to use might be best to depending on your age. Uh, and we also focus in on testosterone boosting. So he's got some really great insight. Uh, a lot of men in their mid and late 30s, sometimes even their early 30s, started to see a decline in their testosterone, which is a decline in their energy levels. It's a, de- a decline in their sexual reproductive activities. So, you know, how sexually active you want to be. Uh, so this is a really great episode for a bunch of different fronts uh, on health and fitness. So, without any further ado, I would love to introduce you to Doctor Anthony Balduzzi. Really excited to be here, Connor. Thanks for having me. So, I would love to kick off today with the question, the Man Talks question, which is: Tell us the defining moment about your life that made you who you are today. Mm. My story
1: starts when I was nine years old, um, and that's really where I encountered, I guess, my my main push in life, my challenge that transitioned me into manhood. Growing up, I watched my dad work just long, exhausting hours taking care of me, my mom, my little brother, and he really just worked himself to the bone. And in the process of, you know, providing financially for us, I watched his health slip. He eventually, one night, my brother and I were playing downstairs and, and we heard a crash upstairs um, and we ran upstairs and, and we found dad on the floor convulsing, having a violent seizure. I was nine at the time. And You know, I had no, It just felt so helpless. So we screamed for mom, we scooped dad up, we took him to the hospital um, and the doctors started running all sorts of blood tests and brain scans. And that's when they found out that my dad had terminal cancer and the doctors basically told him to get his affairs in order. And over the next six months, I watched my dad basically lose everything he loved in life. He lost his health, he lost his finances as we were paying for the medical bills. And eventually he passed away just before my 10th birthday. And that was probably the most defining moment of my entire life because it taught me a lot of life lessons. And, w- and one of the main ones that I've kind of built my life around is as men. As providers, our health is perhaps our number one asset to take care of our families. And we can on- honestly get caught up in in the hustle and bustle of providing in other ways. But if we lose our health in the process, we lose everything. So health is the bedrock. Um, and from that moment, I, I dedicated my life to really figuring out how to keep myself personally strong and healthy so I could take care of my mom, my little brother. And I was ten at the time, right after my dad passed, and I was the man of the house, so I had to figure out you know how could I keep my body vessel strong and provide for my mom a little brother and and eventually you know that spiraled into a mission um, as I got older of. How can I help other dads, you know, guys like my dad? My dad passed away at 42. How can I help busy guys with busy families, you know, manage this health and fitness stuff in a way that's actually sustainable, that produces results and, and that works with busy lives. So from that, I, I eventually built something called the Fit Father Project, which I'm really happy to say is, is currently the highest traffic website for fitness for busy fathers. You know, we have hundreds of thousands of guys who read the site every month. And, you know, we're just trying to spread the good word that this health and fitness stuff is possible. There are some strategies that you need to employ if you're a busy guy out there to really get and stay healthy. And it's not the same stuff that works for 20-year-old kids who want to build bigger arms and bigger pecs. It's a different approach. And, and I'd love to maybe chat about that. But you know, to the to the question, that was my defining moment. It really set me on a mission and a war path, I guess, to to really understand health and to help other people. And it gave me a lot of purpose. In many ways, as as hard as that initial experience was, it was a blessing in disguise. It gave me that Dharma that now carries me and fuels me through everything I do in life and and I've come in contact because of my dad's life and his passing with thousands and thousands of other fathers and I've been able to touch their lives
0: yeah that's that's incredible man i I really appreciate you sharing your story because it's i mean a it's a it must have been an incredibly challenging situation, and there there really aren't words to to sympathize or empathize in in some of those moments, but you know I appreciate you sharing your story because I'm sure that that will deeply resonate with a lot of, a lot of our listeners. And, you know, I love what you said around the, around the point of not treating our workouts like a, like an 18 or 20 year old kid. Mm -hmm. And as our, as we're getting older, like, you know, we have a bunch of mastermind groups in Vancouver and the guys, you know, they get into their late thirties and they, you know, their testosterone starts to drop and into their forties. And their bodies are changing and they're trying to work out. Even myself, like I still try and, and work out like I did when I was like 18 and it, and it just doesn't work the same. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things I'm curious about because whether you're a father or not, one thing you can relate to is you hit your, you know, for some guys, it's early 30s or mid 30s or late 30s. And your energy levels start to drop and your muscle retention isn't quite there your cardio isn't quite there and so i'm i'm excited to dive into some of this stuff and that's one of the reasons why why i wanted to have you on the podcast is just that i think that it brings a very different View and I think that you bring a very different relatability to men 's health and men 's fitness rather than just like here 's how you hack your way into mm-hmm. uh you know great abs and the typical like men 's health magazine <laughs> approach yeah, exactly. to uh, to health and fitness so so why don't why don't we just kind of start at the basic because I think that you know for a lot of men. As they transition into a heavier career or you know they get married or they start having kids, time really becomes a little bit of a crunch and they're they're trying to find ways to keep their quote unquote routines going um, and i'm I'm curious if you have some advice for the guys that are out there that maybe don't have a, a regular routine of where they can even just start kind of like the the foundation of the basics.
1: yeah, the foundation of the basics. So I guess the key points I want to highlight on on what you just said is, you know, as we get busier and we have families, time is the number one asset, right? Any health routine that's going to work long term needs to be structured around our schedules and around our time. And the first thing I like to teach guys uh, is that a lot of guys feel guilty that they're not getting into the gym or exercising as much as they should. Um, and the first thing I say is that's OK, because the foundations of, of the, I guess, the 80-20, if you will, like the stuff that really moves the needle really doesn't have all that much to do about exercise. Exercise is incredibly important, as we're going to talk about. But the main place I have guys start with is laying down the health foundation, which comes down to sleep mindset and nutrition. Uh, And we can break those down if you'd like individually. But the first thing I have guys do when they come to the Fit Father Project, they join any of our programs is we don't teach them the diet and exercise stuff first. The first thing we have men do is create a mission statement and go through a very In-depth reflection process on why they want to make these healthy changes because most guys I work with have tried and and failed on low-carb diets. They've tried P90X. You know, they've they found they've tried things that just didn't work for them long term. And a huge part of health and fitness is the psychology, and your psychology absolutely changes from when you're in your 20s to when you're 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s and beyond. So the first thing we do is is have guys create a change mission statement, and in the process of making that mission statement, we we have them start with a 30-day mission statement on what they want to achieve in the next 30 days? Because, you know, Connor, you know that it could be really hard for a guy to to really believe internally and be aligned with the fact that they can lose 50 to 70 pounds. But if we chunk the goals down to, you know, you can lose 10 pounds in the next 30 to 45 days, it's a lot more achievable. And what we do is have guys really think about the costs of their current behavior. What are the costs of not being on a, a good eating regimen, with the cost of not exercising properly, with the cost of not sleeping and taking too much caffeine. And we really magnify those costs because that's one way that we can get a lever uh, and get some leverage over our brain and our psychology. And then we really uh, do a lot of visualization to talk, think about the benefits of really visualizing what it'll look like to, to feel ageless and healthy and vibrant and strong and be there for your family and your kids and your grandkids. Uh, so the psychology is incredibly important. We create that mission statement. We, we really reflect deeply on the cost of current behaviors and then visualize about the future benefits. And that lays a psychological foundation that is going to essentially all the stuff, the tactics, the eating, the exercise, we insert that into that psychological foundation. Without that, The house doesn't have a strong uh, place to stand. And when life hits you and things get busy, you're going to crumble unless you have something to fall back on. And you have a deep why and reason on why we're doing what we're doing. And I think a a big problem is that humans were, we're, you know, semi-rational thinkers with very emotional, uh, deep subconscious brains. Right. And so we need to really have that psychology component there. And the next thing I have guys understand is that you cannot out exercise a bad diet this is kind of something i'll probably tattoo on my arm one day because i say it so much for all the guys at the fit father project the place to start uh, especially if you're feeling like time strapped and, and busy with workouts is like hey look don't worry about that stuff. The, the most important stuff to start at is getting on a simple and sustainable meal plan. And that in terms of weight loss, you know, just daily walking and, and the proper meal plan, I've helped guys lose 70 to 100 pounds just doing that no formal workouts. And you know, whether you're out there and, and you want to lose, you know, that amount of weight, or you just want to get rid of a little bit of the stubborn belly fat in the next, you know, 10 to 15 pounds, if you will, understanding that diet is the foundation is really going to be fantastically helpful uh, for your progress because it releases some of the stress that I have to be in the gym slaving away. And once we get that psychology and once we get that nutrition plan in place, then we can start looking at daily activity, doing stuff we love, you know, thirty minutes of just moving your body. You know, getting a step counter, doing basic stuff. If you're if you're uh, if you work and do a desk job, like I, I tend to, you know, sit a lot. Get a standing desk, count your steps, um, and coupled with the nutrition plan, that's going to produce amazing results. And then we can start getting into the kind of workouts you want to be doing. But I guess the key point I want to take from this this first section is understanding that nutrition and mindset are the foundations of health progress that's actually sustainable. And trying to go from zero to a hundred and hop into that crossfit class four times per week is not going to be the path that's going to keep you like on track long term. We got to look at the foundations and the basics. Uh and you 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 said this like it's not sexy, it's not hacky. You need to find a nutrition plan that syncs up with your schedule that has simple and delicious foods that you love. We need to start some basic meal preparation habits and you got to have your mindset right. Does that make sense so far?
0: Absolutely, man. I I love this. I think that this is so uh, it, it's workable, right? It's it's plan your work and work your plan. It's really something that people can action on. It's very in line with what we talk about at Man Talks. You know, like our mission is to help develop self aware, high performing, and impactful men in the world. And you know, you can't be high performing or impactful if you're not self aware. If you don't have that fel- foundation of being able to be aware of what works for you, what works best for your body, what work, works best for your health. And, uh, you know, some people are going to be OK with staying up until 11 and getting up at six and some people are going to need to go to bed at nine and get up at six. Right. So just just having that self-awareness to understand where to start, I think, is is huge for a lot of people. So so you kind of touched on uh, a sleep, I believe, was the first pillar that you talked about. I think this is huge because for a lot of new dads or, you know, guys that have just moved in with a partner or something like that, their their sleeping patterns are definitely changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in your opinion, what are some of the keys that men need to know, especially as they shift into their maybe their late 30s or their 40s? You know, what are some of the things that they need to know uh, in, in order to get the best sleep possible?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was a little remiss in not including You know, sleep in that initial foundation, you know, because the thing is, like from all the research that if you are not sleeping properly, if you have uh, some sleep deprivation, you know, you're not getting optimal sleep. You know, the diet that would that would work for you really well doesn't work nearly as well in a sleep deprived physiology. So optimizing sleep is hugely important. And a couple of things we need to understand, uh, we need to look at our modern environments and how that impacts sleep, as well as the natural physiologic changes that happen uh, to us guys as we age. And the first thing is that as we get older, our brains naturally secrete less melatonin. And melatonin is, is you know, people have probably seen this in terms of one of those quote-unquote sleep supplements. It's not magic. It's a natural hormone that our brains secrete. When light gets dim at night, our brain and our eyes can kind of sense that and starts to secrete melatonin, which relaxes our body, preps us for bed. Now, knowing that melatonin naturally decreases as we age, uh, it can be beneficial to, you know, to supplement and augment. But even more importantly than taking any, you know, exogenous melatonin supplement is is understanding that. Our environment and the screens and the computers and all the blue light that we're exposed to. So, blue light is the spectrum of light that uh, uh, you know our technology just kicks out in massive amounts. Our computer screens, our phones, that destroys melatonin production. So, if a guy's looking to optimize his sleep, the first thing I do is help him optimize his environment, and that comes down to uh, putting boundaries on technology at night, uh, helping them install some some screens that uh you know I guess uh, like Apple knows about this problem now. You know that we have millions of people with iPhones. And that's why they launched that night shift mode. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it kind of dims the screen, takes the blue light out, has that kind of like orangish sepia color, incredibly important. And I know this like may seem like we're getting into the nitty gritty, but it's like sleep is is one of the foundations of health. So we need to guard against that blue light, install a program like f.lux or Iris. To get that blue light out of your screens and, and these things are cool because they'll naturally decrease the blue light as the day goes on. Um, and then from there, you know, we're really going to look at uh, our nutrition and some of the nutrients we're putting in our body before sleep. One of the key things is to understand the kind of stuff, like how we're going to regulate our eating patterns uh, to promote restfulness. So one good one good thing I like to have guys do, especially guys who are entrepreneurs or working busy in, during the day is, is to actually eat lighter meals during the day when you want to be most productive, you know, liquid shakes, salads with some protein. And then at dinner, a couple hours before bed is actually a better time to have a bigger, relaxing meal with some healthy carbohydrates. Um, because this is like what the new cutting edge research shows is that, you know, eating late at night Uh, is not gonna, you know, make you magically gain fat or anything like that. In fact, having a, having a bigger meal a couple hours before bed can really shift your body out of that sympathetic fight or flight mode that we often get into when we get stressed into that parasympathetic rest and digest. So what I like to have guys do is for dinner, pick a big piece of protein that they love. You know, whether you're uh, an omnivore and you eat uh, animal protein or you're plant based, doesn't matter. Pick a big protein source, pick a big source of some healthy carbohydrates that you love because those healthy carbs are not the enemy despite all the ketogenic diet stuff that's going out there right now. You know, humans are physiology adapted to eat carbohydrates and we do extremely well with the right kinds of carbs. And those carbs can actually help release serotonin, which relaxes us at night and then get some good veggies. And if you do that a couple hours before bed, that's going to help relax and move your body into that parasympathetic mode. Uh, And then the other suggestions I would make for people looking to optimize their sleep is to get some good herbal tea that uh, has some good like semi sedative herbs that aren't going to make you feel groggy. Good ones are like passionflower or chamomile. A lot of these sleepy teas have those in them and, you know, have that at night, start to wind down the technology and, and being self-aware enough to have, uh, those guardrails around your, your schedule, like a bookend routine on your day that, you know, when it you know hits 10 or 11, whatever that is for you, that time doesn't exactly matter, but you have a routine that kind of like trains your brain to like wind down, turn off and get great sleep. And another thing is, is to be as regular as possible with your, with your sleep and like your get down and get up times is, you know, our brains are run on a, a series of biological clocks and the more consistent we can be the better our sleep's going to be ultimately. So I guess to kind of recap what I would say is, you know, it can be useful as we age to take a melatonin supplement because, you know, our melatonin levels naturally decrease as we age. We want to do the best things possible to really avoid things that harm our melatonin. That's those blue lights in the screens. We want to install those F.Lux programs on our computers and those night shifts on our phones to really cut that blue light at night. Uh, we want to create bookends around the day where we have an, an evening routine that can be filled with a lot of great habits like gratitude journaling, sipping some tea, uh, turning off the technology, spending time with your significant other. Uh, But it's a set routine that kind of trains our brain uh, and conditions it to kind of wind down at night and get up at the same time and have that bigger meal a couple of hours before bed with those healthy carbs, they're going to really help, you know, produce that serotonin. That's going to help you feel you know, nice and relaxed and shift your nervous system into that parasympathetic mode. So that is like, you know, it's, it's an individual case by case basis when I look at why guys can't sleep well, but those are some of the good blanket suggestions. Um, and one more thing that comes to mind as I'm saying, this is, is watching your actual physical room environments, you know, where you're sleeping in uh, a mistake that people make is, is they sleep in rooms that are too hot. I talked about how, you know, our bodies are have these biocircadian rhythms that run our hormone production and our energy levels. And one thing that happens is at night it's really important that our core temperature drops a little bit. And if we're sleeping in a room that's too hot and our core temperature stays elevated, that's going to impact our brain's ability to fully relax and get into those deeper brainwave states that, you know, gives us the great, wonderful sleep that we have. So a colder room, you know, the, the research shows that something around 70 degrees, if possible, for where you live, or even a little lower is great. And for, you know, really promoting the the good environment for optimal sleep, as well as watching the kind of lights that are flickering in your bedroom. This is crazy, too, because there's also research that shows that even those little flickering lights on your alarm clock, your TV, whatever's in your room, that lights seeping through is something that can really impact your sleep. So uh, a good hacky strategy. Uh, this is one of the hacks that I guess I would do like kind of old school and I, I like the foundational principles, but uh, using uh, earplugs like little soft foam earplugs and a face mask, um, you know put the ego aside guys, you know, it's not, (laughs) I sleep in a face mask and it's really amazing. It's improved the quality of my sleep tremendously, especially if you've a partner that rolls around and stuff like that. So, um, without launching into this huge tangent on sleep, I hope you, there were some nuggets that people can take from that on how to optimize sleep. Cause that is foundation, a foundational for
0: high performance and health, man. I love that. You just like laid out the like handbook for, for, better sleep. That was amazing. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, no, that was really good, man. I, I do a lot of those things. I, you know, I definitely sleep with the earplugs and the, and the face mask, especially because I travel a lot. So I never know if I'm going to be in a great place that is going to be quiet or if there's gonna be lots of light. And so I just like to, I like to dictate that and have that baseline for myself. That's great to hear. And then F dot lux. Uh, that program for your computer, I definitely recommend. I, I have had that on my computer now for like the past year and a half mm-hmm. and it is a huge, huge game changer. So, um, appreciate your insight on, on those fronts. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like the routine, it sounds like the routine is a, is a pretty important piece. And it, I feel like this is something that a lot of men Uh, struggle with, you know, they're like, Oh, I just want to get into this normal routine or I'm out of my routine. And, and it seems to be something that a lot of men are like fixated on. And especially when they have any shifts in their life, like, you know, they, they move in with a new partner or, you know, they have kids or, or, you know, they change jobs or whatever the case may be. But as soon as they have a shift, their routine is at is in jeopardy. And I'm just curious if you have any advice or any insight for the listeners out there of how to maintain a proper routine? Because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with.
1: Yeah, I I definitely have one suggestion. I mean, that's a that's a huge topic. And I guess it is kind of semi case by case basis. Um, But what I would suggest to guys is is from my vast experience in helping thousands of men essentially get get from feeling like totally reactive to on routines. One of the biggest things I can suggest, especially when you're moving in with a new partner and have a new kind of environment situation is to create a structured eating routine. Uh, because as humans, you know, eating is such a foundational part of of our survival. And if we can create a framework around our eating that we know that is proactive and it's kind of scheduled, that creates a framework for a larger routine to be laid on top of it. So meals are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly uh, important for scheduling and staying productive uh, because what happens is is our brains are survival mechanisms, right? We're constantly trying to find, you know, a a partner to mate with, we're constantly trying to find food and water. like subconsciously, these things are hardwired into our genetic code. Um, and if we do not make the decisions ahead of time of when we're eating, we do not provide our brain with that psychological security that things are taken care of. And, and we have our meals, you know, we're scheduled out. And, and this, this creates like a, a, a background noise, if you will, and a reactivity uh, that kind of derails all our routines in general. So one thing we do incredibly well at the Fit Father Project, and I recommend all guys do is start a schedule based meal plan. And this is different than a lot, a lot of the health and fitness advice you might see, uh, where they're like, Oh, eat six small meals a day or you got to eat meals at like these times and, and you got to have this food combination with that food combination. What we do and really the first step is like, okay. What's your daily schedule typically like? Are you a person that, you know, you work the night shift, right? So you have to, we have to have a, the person who works the night shift needs a different meal plan than a guy who works at home, who needs a different meal plan from a guy who leaves for the nine to five at, you know, 6am in the morning. So uh, we need to look at your schedule and then we need to design meal timing around that schedule. And this is a huge, huge point because a lot of people try to build uh, their life around some set fitness program instead of trying to build the fitness program around their life. And that's the, it's it's a little subtlety there, but it really helps with creating a proactive meal timing. Uh, So for most guys, what I would recommend, regardless of the the differences in the schedule, would be to create a very structured, ritualized breakfast. It's kind of like decision fatigue. When you have to get up first thing in the morning, you know, there's the famous stories of, I guess, like Steve Jobs or or Zuckerberg who, you know, they, they, or Bill Gates, they have a very few set of clothes, right? They, They don't have to really think about what they want to wear. They just have those three or four clothes they put on. Why? Because it keeps the brain fresh. Decision fatigue is is lower. We can do the same thing with our nutrition first thing in the morning. The first meal of the day should be ritualized for most guys. And I would even suggest that if you're really a busy on the go guy, one of the best things you can do in the morning is make your first meal uh, some kind of really high quality nutrient dense shake. Because first thing in the morning when you get up, you want something that's simple, convenient, gives your body all the nutrition it needs, doesn't take a lot of time. So we've created a series of different FitFather fat burning and energy boosting shakes we have our guys do. But creating a ritualized breakfast helps create a, a macroscopic structure that all different routines can, can hop on. And whether you have that breakfast first thing in the morning, whether you have it after you do your morning workout, whether you like to do intermittent fasting and you push that first meal back three or four hours, doesn't matter. Do that ritualized structured breakfast. And for lunch, you need to also have, ideally have done uh, some meal prep which is incredibly important. You know, once or twice per week, if you can invest one or two hours, you've paved the path for the rest of the week by having food readily available so you don't have to be reactive and go find food and then feel guilty that you're not making the right choices, more decision fatigue. So ritualized breakfast, ritualized lunch in simple snacks that are non-perishable. And then dinner is where you can have more play, more fun, more flexibility. So that's like generally the structure that works best for most guys. You know, very structured in the front end of the day when you're getting a lot of work done, you want to keep the Decision fatigue low, the routine high. And then at night, you can have a little more play with the different kinds of foods you might have. Maybe you'll eat out at a restaurant. Uh, you know, maybe you'll have a different food than, than normal and you can have a slightly bigger meal. That is a really, really, really behaviorally sound structure. Uh, that's, you know, we've honestly helped over 22,000 fathers lose over 100,000 pounds using that simple idea. Let's create structure on the front end during work. And on the back end, we can have a little more play
0: and flexibility. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, man, absolutely. And I, I think it's something that's actionable as well. Um, it, it's something that's just like simple and, and can be embedded into everybody's routine. And yeah, that's, that's great. It, it, there's a few things that I wanted to touch on that I'm curious about your perspective. You know, there's a lot of new research that's coming out that starting to showcase the fact that fasting you know intermittent fasting or fasting in the morning um, or or whatever whenever it is can actually be really good for men's health and now that's being debated by other scientists and other researchers but i'm curious as to your opinion because you do work with a lot of guys that are that are in that age where generally testosterone starting to dip and that's what the research has been focused in on: is that you know, in our in our 30s and in our 40s is the time where we should start doing some form of of fasting to adjust our body. So I'm curious as to your take on that.
1: Absolutely, I, it's an amazing topic that I'm definitely passionate about. I, if if you don't mind, I'd love to touch on both uh, fasting its efficacy for for the aging male, um, as well as some testosterone. And I think it might be behoove us to maybe talk about ways we can optimize our testosterone as we move into the fasting discussion. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to okay. I was going to ask that, so that's perfect. Okay, so first off, testosterone incredibly, incredibly important, not just for, you know, muscle mass and, and staying lean, which absolutely helps with and keeping our libido high. But you know, a lot of new research is showing how important testosterone is for male brain health. It's just one of those master male hormones. And and guys who have low T will find, you know, you know, the crashed energy, the no libido, not much motivation, kind of feel like you lost your edge. And in research even shows that when testosterone gets too low, uh, it's associated with Alzheimer's and age and related dementia. So it's important for brain health and heart health. So as guys, we want to do everything in our power to keep our testosterone levels high naturally. And what happens is essentially in our mid 30s, around 35, testosterone starts to decrease by about 1% every year. That may not seem like a huge figure, but by the time we're in our 50s, you know, we have at least, you know, a, a 20% decrease in our testosterone levels, which is pretty substantial. And that's assuming that we're also having a healthy routine, uh, you know, that's not impacting our testosterone levels from low sleep. Um, there's also a ton of environmental estrogens now and plastics and, and certain plants that are also impacting male testosterone levels. So we really need to do everything in our power to keep our testosterone levels high. And there are kind of three pillars to doing that. The first one is our good old friend sleep. Nothing crashes tea harder than, than, you know, running a high stress life with low sleep. So sleep needs to be a priority. And some of the things we touched on are going to be effective on that front. The second thing is weight training. Weight training for guys, especially if you're over 35, is not about having the biggest bench or having huge bulging biceps. It's really about hormonal health and metabolism health. You know, maintain that muscle mass as we age because as we lose the testosterone, that decreases. For most guys who do not weight train, muscle goes with it. And as muscle goes too and falls off your body, essentially, your metabolic rate tanks, too, because muscle is your metabolic engine. So you start to put on weight. You start to get belly fat and belly fat can actually convert testosterone to estrogen. It has an enzyme called aromatase that can do that. So it's a vicious, vicious cycle. So guys need to be sleeping well. They need to be weight training. And I'm not talking like you need to be in the gym uh, for an hour every single day. I'm talking like, uh, you know, a full body workout you know, twice per week, lifting some weights, you know, doing things obviously that are safe for your joints and feel good on your body, but like lifting some weights, Uh, you know, in a way that's heavy for you. And it's not about the ego. It's just about getting in there and and really getting the stimulation that's going to help improve your hormonal profile because we know that lifting weights is is really the key to having higher T as well as the finer pillar which is smart supplementation and there is a huge supplement industry out there like billions and billions of dollars uh you know preying on men and saying oh your T's crashed you know you need to take this herbal tea booster uh, and from the research there are some things that do work and a lot of things that don't and i'm going to lay out you know basically the five testosterone supplements that are natural and actually work um if if that's good good with you Uh, the first one will be vitamin d3 we are learning so much about this vitamin d3 which is more of a hormone than it is a vitamin Um, and it's just phenomenally important for your immune system for your brain health and for your testosterone levels and guys who are deficient in d3 which is the vast majority of people because we just don't get enough sunlight and you know stress depletes our vitamin d3 levels guys need to be supplementing typically with at least you know three thousand two thousand to five thousand IU's of vitamin d3 daily to get those levels up they've shown from the research that when you improve your vitamin d3 status from low levels to somewhere in the 30 to 50 uh, range you can actually increase your testosterone quite substantially the next thing that's that's often deficient in guys um, who are just not taking uh, having a good full spectrum diet uh, is zinc and magnesium which are two important minerals that actually can help produce testosterone in deficient men so d3 uh, zinc magnesium and There's these supplements, ZMA supplements, that combine the zinc and magnesium together um, that really help achieve optimal levels. And, And really one trick to help you improve your sleep, too, as for a double whammy boost in testosterone, is to take zinc and magnesium before you go to bed. One of these ZMA supplements, or you can take the zinc and a multivitamin, and typically most multivitamins need some added magnesium, which is a great mineral to help relax your body and improve your sleep as well. If you want, uh, Connor, I'm absolutely happy to to send a link to uh, a guide we wrote at the Fit Fowler Project that outlines all the dosages and recommended products on Amazon uh, if you're interested in, in putting that in show notes. So that's an option. Um, but to keep on forging on here, other supplements that absolutely do work and guys need to be taking is creatine monohydrate. A lot of guys have probably heard about this as, you know, a sports performance and muscle building supplement. It's not just that. Uh, Creatine is the probably the number one most researched sports supplement and all the stuff that comes out about creatine being dangerous is pretty much been disproven by modern science and creatine helps maintain your muscle mass. Even if you do not lift weights, they've done new studies that show that they take uh, sedentary people over 60 and they give them creatine monohydrate five grams a day and they maintain their muscle mass and creatine also helps improve brain health and it can increase testosterone levels so if you do work out five grams of creatine post-workout is amazing and it's a supplement that you know i have my grandma on she just turned 90 Uh, it's just it's just that important and you know for a 90 year old uh, woman let alone a guy over 35 who wants to maintain muscle mass and optimize testosterone and the other thing i would add to that stack uh, is some good old fish oil there's some research that fish oil um, by really helping improve inflammatory profiles in the body and improving brain health can also support testosterone so that's like the golden five stack and then there's a a ton of herbs that are marketed, but I really like to start with the actual proven nutrients, the D3, the zinc, the magnesium, the creatine, and the fish oil. Those are like uh, some of the golden supplements that really do help improve testosterone levels along with good sleep
0: and lifting. That's going to help improve the test profile. So that's testosterone. Yeah, no, that's great, man. There's some, there's some really, really solid information in there. I mean, the zinc magnesium is especially important from, from my understanding. If we can go into the, into the sex part of things, the zinc magnesium is really important if you're still like very sexually active or, um, you know, even with your, even with yourself, because from, from the research that I've done, the you know as you ejaculate and all that other kind of stuff and you're you're very sexually active um you actually lose a lot of that zinc and magnesium so you need to replenish in your body those core components it's kind of like you know when a when a woman is on her period she needs to have more iron in her body cuz she gets very iron deficient mm-hmm. that's kind of like the male version of that Uh, That counterbalance. What's just out of curiosity? The one thing I did want to kind of touch on because I was curious about this. I've seen a lot of information just sticking with testosterone before we move on to fasting. I've seen a lot of information online circulating around pine pollen. and, And, you know, some people seem to praise this as like the be all end all and like the one thing that's sort of like the. Uh, you know, like the godsend for helping you boost your testosterone. Uh, you know, other people talk about ginseng. Um, so I wanted to just get your insight. What's, what's your take on pine pollen? Is like the research not quite there yet? Is it, you know, is it one of these like fancy herbs? Like what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is a, this is a tough thing because the research on, on pine pollen and bee pollen and these other pollens is not there in terms of the quality of the, of the placebo control double-blind like gold standard studies, but It does not mean it doesn't work. It just means that we don't have the research yet, uh, and it could be very effective. Um, what I would definitely say is if I would personally start with those baseline golden five supplements that we know actually work from the research, and then if you want to try to add that in, that's totally fine. A lot of these herbs that are, quote unquote, you know, increased testosterone, like the the ginsengs, for example, don't actually move the testosterone needle, but they can make you feel uh, more, vir- more viral and, and and have more vitality, uh, and, and they can help for other reasons other than to Testosterone. They can help improve uh, nervous system function. They can improve your recovery, energy levels. So, you know, you may think that your testosterone levels are improving because you feel better, but they may not be moving the testosterone needle. Currently, when it comes to pine pollen, uh, research is out. uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if it it does have some modest benefit. But I got to say, like, the fundamentals are the fundamentals. Like, I don't care how much pine pollen you take. If you're not sleeping well and you're not weight training, like, you're focusing on the wrong things. You got to focus on the basics, those unsexy basics that move the needle more uh, than the these fancy testosterone supplements, be that uh, tribulus or pine pollen or, uh, you know, long jack or any of these other herbs, uh, they can be beneficial for libido. There is some good research on that. Um, But jury's out currently on testosterone on those particular products. Doesn't mean you can't try them, you know, and give them a test run, but we don't actually know if they fully increase testosterone. For example, with the ginsengs, a couple of kinds of ginseng there, there are out there, but, you know, the American or Panax, which is the Korean ginseng really great supplement for helping, you know, tonify your adrenal glands and keep your body more resilient to stress, increase your exercise output, which can lead to better workouts, which can indirectly lead to higher testosterone levels. Uh, But ginseng doesn't directly increase testosterone itself. So just know that there's a lot of other reasons to take these good herbs, particularly the adaptogenic herbs that help our, you know, really just tonify our bodies against stress. And those are things like rhodiola, uh, ginseng, uh, ashwagandha, withania. These are some really good herbs you'll find in a lot of these Male formulas, they may not necessarily directly increase tests, but
0: they can be beneficial. Nice. Yeah, I I appreciate that insight. And I I think you're right. I think that the the core five having that foundation is really important, and then if you want to mess around after that and sort of play with some of these other pieces, after you've got the D three and the zinc, magnesium, and some of the other minerals that you need, I think that that's a great place to start. So let's just because we're uh, you know we're starting to get close to the end here, let's let's dive into some fasting. What's your thoughts on this? Where is it applicable? Where is it not? And um, and yeah, let's let's dive in. Yeah, I'm, I'm a
1: big proponent of the new research on fasting. Um, but I, I want to say this is the general health and fitness landscape is it's very similar to religion. Everyone has a diehard opinion and they're willing to kill people for it. And it, it's kind of crazy. And, and the pendulum tends to swing both ways. So it's it, as the new research comes out, everything will get very hypey in one direction. So for example, uh, in the early, in the 70s and 80s, it was all about low fat and high carb, right? And then we kind of found out that, oh man, you know, saturated fat's not that bad for us. And then we kind of shifted to a general, like super low carb, more Atkins thing. Uh, and then, you know, it, then it was paleo. And now we're shifting back here to keto. And now fasting's in here and everyone's like, wow. And I think the big thing that fasting did is, is really teach people that the dogma we preach for so many years that you have to eat tons of small meals every day, uh, you know, or your quote unquote metabolism will slow down was complete bullshit. And we just we preached that for a lot of years. So fasting gained a lot of popularity because it's like, wow, you know, that's just not true. And we can have smaller meal like we can have a smaller fewer meals per day that are larger meals in a shorter window. And that can be very beneficial. But first, let's talk about um, before we get into the two types of fasting, uh, the benefits of fasting the human body is essentially built to take periodic breaks from food. Uh, and this is due to the fact that our ancient ancestors that we essentially we came from um, had to deal with the environmental pressures of food scarcity. Food was not always abundant for our ancient ancestors. So our, their bodies had to essentially make adaptations to survive and thrive in times when there wasn't a lot of food access. Um, so that's what fasting and the adaptations that in Fasting really happen. First off, during a fast, um, what our body does is uh, preserves muscle mass because we don't want our muscle totally wasting when we don't have food. And one way that our body does that is that during a a fast growth hormone levels uh, substantially skyrocket. In men, it can be up to 1600% higher growth hormone levels over a 24 hour fast, which is really, really, really cool because growth hormone has a lot of benefits in terms of preserving muscle mass, burning fats, some anti-aging and regeneration benefits. Uh, So that's one thing that happens during fasting. Uh, A thing I'm actually more excited about than the growth hormone is the fact that previously, you know, if we go back at, you know, 10, 15 years, we didn't Think that the brain could build new neurons, and pretty much, you know, you were born, you made a series of bad decisions, and systematically killed off your neurons, and then you die. Uh, and now we know with fasting is that the brain actually, uh, you know, increases something like, like neurogenesis, growth factor that actually can help build new neurons and, and make you sharper and, and you're thinking smarter and keep your brain healthy. That happens during fasting too. That does not happen when we're constantly eating. Uh, and one more thing that I really love it, during fasting is that it gives our bodies, our digestive system, a break. From the constant bombardment of foods, specifically foods that, you know, can cause a lot of gut inflammation, like our hybridized, you know, uh, high gluten pesticide sprayed wheat, you know, some of our non-organic dairies and all these things can really create gut inflammation. Fasting allows the body space and time to heal on a macroscopic level, like like gut health, which is incredibly important for your overall health, but also intracellularly all cells through metabolism, you know, gather metabolic junk just from living. Uh, and that junk doesn't really get a chance to be taken out, if you will, uh, unless we really fast and give our body a break to kind of take out the garbage. So we have a process called autophagy or autolysis, which essentially digests all the cellular debris that uh, happens in our cells through everyday living. And fasting is one of the things that triggers that. So there are a ton of benefits to fasting uh, from a metabolic, hormonal uh, and, and neurological standpoint. Uh, the other thing about fasting is great is that it can be very good for certain people's schedules. You know, if you don't like breakfast, you don't have to eat it. You can push that first meal back for a couple hours. And the two main fasting setups that most people are using these days are a 16-8 a lean gains is often what it's called setup where essentially you designate eight hours per day where you're gonna eat and sixteen hours where you essentially have no calories and you stay away from food. You know, it's not as scary as it sounds. Uh practically speaking it might be like, you know, pushing back your first meal until eleven thirty and then having a snack at like three thirty and having dinner at six thirty or seven thirty and then you're done for the day. So you have that that back after you've had dinner, you have like three hours before you go to bed, you sleep for seven to eight hours, and then you essentially just drink green tea, water, some black coffee until your next meal, 1130. And, and that gives you some of the benefits of fasting. It's a shorter 16 hour fast daily. And it's really great for, you know, improving weight loss because you're going to naturally control your calories more efficiently. Uh, if you're eating in a smaller window, you're just going to stay more full. Uh, and there's just you accrue some of those benefits we talked about. The other setup for fasting uh, that is also very effective for people that want to eat breakfast and want to just fast on a more in a minute, uh, not daily framework, is a dinner to dinner fast one to two times per week. Uh, and this is what I currently do. And it's something that I will do for the rest of my life because it's just phenomenally effective uh, is, you know, I designate one one day per week. This is part of my uh, weekly ritual uh, where let's say I have dinner on Saturday night. Then I will just drink water, lemon, lemon water, uh, apple cider vinegar, some green tea and some black coffee until dinner on Sunday. Give that body that 24 hour fast to reap all those fasting benefits. And then I eat normally throughout the week. Both setups work well. uh, And you just got to kind of play around with your preferences and your schedule. What's going to work best for you? So if you work out in the morning, um, it's often good to refuel after your workout. So the whole daily fasting and waiting until that 1130 a.m. meal might not be the best approach for you. But a 24-hour fast uh, on the weekend or one of your busiest days during the week can be very beneficial. Um, if you have more flexibility in that first meal uh, and you can push it back a couple hours, then, hey, the 16-8 might be a great benefit to try the fasting. But the key points is is fasting is very behaviorally sound. Um, it's easy to stick to and it helps you control your calories and gives you tons of these health and metabolic benefits. So I'm a big proponent, but just do know that it's not the end all be all. It's just one more tool that we have in the tool chest. uh, In addition to, you know, good, high quality, unprocessed foods, lots of sleep, laughter and love, regular exercise. Uh, It's just another tool that we know is really important. Um, I don't like to be dogmatic about fasting. I just think it's something that a lot of people can can get benefit from.
0: Nice, nice. I I really like that. And I appreciate your uh just breaking down the the sixteen eighth and then the twenty-four hour fast, uh just so that people have a form of reference. And I appreciate the approach because I think that, you know, for some people, fasting you know, fasting's like um I don't know, it's like the new the new cardio or crossfit, you know, it's like something it it really is that fad and it's it's like yeah it's great and it can support but i like your comments around it it really is another tool in the tool shed so it's not to be the the only thing that we do but it needs to be worked in so yeah um just one last one last quick question like what's your what's your take around um you know ketosis ketosis and 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 just kind of like having these high fats First thing in the morning to put our body into that into that state. Uh, how that links in with fasting, and whether or not you've seen any results. Because I think you know, for a lot of people, the the bulletproof thing is a is a big piece. We have we actually have Dave Asprey come on the podcast in a couple of weeks, but the bulletproof idea is like this really big movement that's been happening in the last couple of years. Um, and I tried it for a few months and, and did the, uh, you know, did the whole Bulletproof coffee first thing in the morning and, and fasting and that kind of stuff. And I definitely saw some results in terms of leaning down. Um, but I'm I'm curious as to your perspective on on that sort of movement. Absolutely, yeah.
1: I have a ton of comments on this. First off, I want to say that you know Dave's a very knowledgeable guy, and he's done a lot of good for raising awareness for certain things with his whole bulletproof movement. And for those who aren't super familiar, basically, uh, this guy Dave Asprey has developed a, a you know a kind of lifestyle, I guess if you will. That's it's a lot higher fat. His is not a full ketosis kind of uh, diet plan, uh, which we can talk about in a second as well. But you know, bulletproof coffee, which is coffee with uh, a butter and typically some coconut oil or MCT oil in it. Um, And then, you know, eating a very low inflammatory, higher fat diet late of the rest of the day. And I think one thing that that Dave's done a great job of is is helping uh, continue to kill the fat phobia. You know, the right kinds of of saturated fats are not bad for you. And so, you know, you'll find in these Bulletproof, you know, some of these coffees have around (laughs) 35 to 40 grams of fat in them. You know, if you put, you know, two and a half tablespoons of any kind of oil or butter, that's a ton of fat. Uh, for most people, I personally do not use Bulletproof coffee for a number of reasons. I, I think it's kind of unnecessary for people to uh, throw that much fat uh, into their diet first thing in the morning because, you know, calories do ultimately still matter um, and you don't need that amount of fat to go into ketosis. Actually, the newest research coming out shows that even eating a, a carb uh, heavy breakfast, um, coffee itself uh, is enough to induce uh, significant ketone production. While eating carbs. So the ketosis is the the, the new fat that's kind of going around, which basically is an incredibly high fat diet. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, maybe like 80% of your calories are coming from fat uh, and less than 10% from carbs, less than 10% of protein. Uh, so it's basically a diet where you're eating, you know, a lot of oils uh, and butters and in some fatty meats, you know. And the problem with uh, a ketogenic diet uh, for most people is that it's just not a sustainable long-term game plan. Uh, there are some initial weight loss benefits uh, to really dropping your carbs like all it helps your body improve insulin sensitivity, you can lose fat quite quickly. Um, but for most people, they can't stick to a ketogenic diet, long, long term, because, you know, being limited in this modern world to having essentially like eating butter uh, and oils, and it's, it's just like, it's, it's not very behaviorally sound with how restrictive it is. And in my experience, any any diet that restricts one of the three main macronutrients be that protein, carbs or fat is going to be unsustainable. And also from the research is that our bodies are designed to be in intermittent ketosis. We're designed to produce ketones and, and to help them have those ketones help fuel our brains and, and help us survive in times of food scarcity. Um, that's why I like fasting over a pure ketogenic diet because fasting gives you uh, ketones. You get the benefits of ketone production, but you can still eat a balanced meal later in the day. Um, and there also is some new research coming out that a uh, prolonged ketosis can actually negatively impact your gut flora, uh, that good gut bacteria, which can lead to a whole host of different changes in your body. And when that gets messed up, most of those changes are not positive. So uh, the ketogenic diet is, is really the next the next new fad that I see that's really taking off right now. Um, there's a benefit to including really good fats into your diet, um, but I would never go that extreme, especially if you're an athlete and wants to perform. The research shows that ketogenic diets do not support um, high-intensity performance. a VO2 max and elite cyclist decreases on ketogenic diets, performance decreases, having a balanced diet with good, uh, healthy carbs that that aren't inflammatory for your gut um, and, you know, good proteins and good healthy fats is going to be the better long-term approach for most people. If you're really overweight, like morbidly obese, there is benefit to having an extremely low-carb diet off the front end, um, but then it's typically best to transition to something that's uh, a little more sustainable long term. I mean, on a ketogenic diet, you pretty much can't eat out at a restaurant. Like, what could you possibly eat? You know, you order the stick of butter, um while your friends are having whatever. It's just you gotta think about the stuff when picking the diets for you. And the ketogenic diet is, is not the end all be all, but people who are frustrated, who haven't really laid down the foundation of the mindset and the regular habits and are looking for that next silver bullet are now hopping on uh, ketogenic diets as is the healthiest way to fuel your brain and burn fat. There are benefits to eating good fats. Um, but for me personally, a ketogenic diet is something that, you know, does not support the performance or uh you know the kind of balanced lifestyle that I want to live. And trust me when I say that we've helped guys lose 100, 200 pounds uh, eating plenty of good, healthy carbs, you know, it's, it's not like your body only burns fat when it's in Ketosis, you know, fat beta oxidation happens like all the time. Uh, and using fasting as a tool is great because we can get some ketones
0: without needing to be in prolonged restrictive ketosis. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit of an education on on that area because I think that's important for a lot of people to know. Uh, listen, Anthony, we got to start wrapping up here. But just for all of the all the people that are listening to this that want to go and check you out a little bit more and go learn a little bit more about what you're doing, uh, where would you like them to go?
1: Yeah. So you can definitely hop over to the mothership, which is fitfatherproject.com. You know, we have hundreds of published articles, free guides. Um, Some of my favorite stuff on the site, if someone's really looking to to get started on uh, a simple workout and a simple meal plan is to get some of our free resources. We have a free one day meal plan for guys over 40. Uh, and we also have a free 24 minute fat burning workout that's incredibly effective. And it kind of blends some of these principles that we talked about. So fitfatherproject.com, there are links all over that site to those free resources. Check that out, join the mailing list, join over 40 other thousand Followers who get advice from us and uh i hope to continue to help your listeners and i'm really grateful that i was here and that we could jam connor and um you know just a great time here today
0: likewise likewise man i mean you 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 brought the heat you brought some serious value and i really enjoyed talking to you on this subject so uh for everybody else out there that's, that's listening uh, don't forget to go to mantalks.com uh for more podcasts more blog posts definitely head on over and check out Anthony's website. We'll have that linked in the bio. And we'll also have a link to their free one-day weight meal plan for Busy Fathers. I think that'll be uh, very helpful for a lot of the guys out there that might want to just dip their toe in the water and get started on a great meal plan. So for everybody else, thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and we will see you next week.